Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, the alternative wealth building podcast for high income earners. My name is Christian Allen. With me, as always, my beloved co-host, Rod the Pod Zabrisky. Rod, what's up? Hey, I'm doing great. I like beloved. Yeah, <laughs> beloved, Rod. Is it beloved, beloved or beloved? Well, okay, so I'll tell you where my, where I get that. There was <laughs> There's a book that my wife loves to read to the kids. It's called Best or Just So Stories by Rudyard Kipling. Old, like Rudyard was like, I can't remember, like 1800s, something like that. Okay, okay. But they're they're pretty fun. They're pretty fun. And, and just when she ever, whenever she, he says that word a lot in the stories, because it's like he's telling them to his grandkids or something. And so then when yeah. she's reading it, then it's all, oh, best beloved. That's, where it comes. that's that's how she says it. So that's all right. So you say that. beloved, could be beloved, beloved. I, I think you can go either direction, but it's well, an interesting conversation. Okay, Rod. Today, we're going to do something new. We're going to try something a little bit different. Yeah. We've never done this before. So here's how here's how this is going to go for the audience. I asked Rod to pick out headlines, just like kind of headlines. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like totally recent, but just headlines, financial headlines that mm-hmm. we think are relevant and interesting to talk about. But here's here's what we're going to do, Rod. We're going to put them up against the invest with benefits smell test. Okay. Okay. Yep. So as we go through the, the, the financial headline, whatever direction we're taking it, then we can kind of grade it against our philosophy of investing with benefits and see how it stacks up. Does that yeah, work? That's perfect. Okay. So I, uh, like I said before this, like I found this to be a little bit more difficult than I originally mm-hmm. anticipated. Um, Cause you know, you want to have like, you want to have like a mixture. I wanted to have some that are like fun, some of them that are more serious, like, and, and I found that most of them were just boring. Okay. <laughs> like most financial headlines are just really boring. Like yeah. that's just kind of the way, it, but Rod, but I did, I do feel like I found a handful of them that um, meet the criteria of what we were looking for. So I'm excited about that. How awesome. did you feel about it as you were going through things? I, I felt very similar because unless you were interested in specific stocks or specific companies or specific, like what happened yesterday in, in the S and P 500 or something. Yeah. There's a lot of that. The majority of the the headlines out there are. So I had to drill down a little more to, to really find things I felt were fitting to what we're looking for. Relevant. Okay. And here's the thing, like those kind of things could be interesting if it was like, if it was like stock market creates, millions of overnight millionaires now that could be interesting <laughs> that would be right yep, yep. <laughs> okay but that's probably not happening or at least not responsibly okay rod i have i have like 10 or 12 that i can get to so i'm okay. just going to kind of pick them as we go i don't plan to get to all of these uh, but i'm just going to decide in the moment what what i feel like makes the most sense and we'll just it's going to be a wild ride but we'll see what happens okay that sounds good okay you told me to grab okay, a handful so, so i don't have quite that many but but that's okay know. that's okay do you want to go first or do you want me to uh i can sure okay roll rod okay, number so my, one your first one this is the best one i found is the, the headline is how to save one million dollars by the time you are 50. Okay. Exactly $1 million by the time that you're 50. Yeah. It seems okay. that mammalian is still a popular number to, to use mm. out there because I actually have a second headline that, that, that focus was around a million again. Um, it's a round number. It's, it used to be a lot bigger than it is now, right? Especially so, you know, inflation erodes that, but it, Basically, what you're saying, Rod, is that for some odd reason, that $1 million number just still remains this like major benchmark, even though the value of it is significantly less than it was 20 years ago when it was a bigger deal. Like, yeah. Right? Like, or 50 years ago. So yeah, like, 100, it is yeah. interesting. To be a millionaire 100 years ago, it was a big deal. And now that was really something. And it's still, I'm not saying it's, it's like nothing, right? It's not a, right? No, it's deal. not nothing. But 
but yeah. Uh, well, and it's all relative. It's all relative, right? If you're yep. most of the people that are like the t- the typical client, the typical person that's listening, that's a high income earner, probably is shooting higher than that million dollar. Now, mm-hmm. at least they went fifty, Rod. It wasn't like how to save a million dollars by the time you're 72. Yeah. Cause that's like, whoo, at least by the time you're 50, you still have some time to get to like, you know, two or 3 million, yeah. which still, by the way, may not be enough. Right. But, but at least you have a little bit more time. So that's an interesting thought. So anyway, yeah. that's what comes to my mind as I, as I'm hearing that headline. Yeah. Now I was a little bit disappointed because I, what I was expecting to find when I got into it is some sort of baseline assumptions of, you know, if you're 20 or 25 or something, and this is your goal is to get to a million by 50, then you're going to have to earn, you're gonna have to save this much. You're going to earn or earn save yeah. such and such, you know, kind of return and roll that over and have tax benefits or whatever. But unfortunately there was actually none of that. Okay. Okay. What, what it turned out to be is just some really unhelpful uh, or less helpful. I should say unhelpful. Was it like, helpful. was it like, was it like, Take advantage of your employee benefits, or was it like <laughs> it make was, sure that you use an HSA? It was stuff like that. Okay, so the first one, the first pointer is use a high yield savings account. Oh, it's even worse. I was gonna say, or is it like save by using this credit card at a zero percent APR? Yeah, like, it's not even it's, that. Yeah, it's not even that. So, okay. uh, yeah, so start with a high yield savings account and. I mean, again, it's not like it's not helpful at all because if you have a bunch of money sitting in your savings account at your local bank, and right, instead you could a, be going and getting a, step. That's a better, better return somewhere else, for sure. Right? Do it. Yeah, that's better. So you know, helpful okay. advice, but I'm not sure. Was, that was savings there any other helpful advice? Yeah, there. I'll, I'll hit on a few of these others because okay. So then, the next one is save with the tax advantaged retirement account. Boo. It, just well, kidding. Just kidding. It, again, that's, that's only a partial boo. It's more like a meh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fair because guess what? If if you're saying, hey, if I can get to a million bucks, I can retire. Well, I'm sorry to say if you get to that million at, at the age of 50 and, a, and you did it in your 401k, you got to wait another nine years, nine and a half years before you're going to be able to really start making use of that money. Rod, you could just suck it up, take the 10% penalty and roll along or take advantage of that incredibly valuable 72T rule that allows you to take like a very small percentage of your account value out, which wouldn't equate to enough to actually like replace an income. So you're right. You're right, Rod. That is problematic. Okay. That's that's that. Uh, The second or the third one is make smart investments. Really, so again, I agree. I agree. I was, I was thinking, man, okay, now we're really getting to something because they're going to tell us, you know, what kind of return. But it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't get to that level. Basically, what it's saying is, whether you're doing it in a tax advantage retirement account or in a separate brokerage account, it's all, it's all about investing in the stock market. Do it early. I don't, I mean, I don't know how, I don't have any words other than, okay. Okay. (laughs) I guess. Sort of. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just, it's probably the stuff that you would expect to hear as it relates to this in, in, you know, the media, because it's all about, you know, get, get started early so you can take higher risks because as you get closer to retirement, then you have to switch and have less risky portfolio. Um, Okay, Rod, but, but, this one this is boring. We we need to we need to grade this article, this headline on the invest with benefits grading scale. Okay, which, can I give you one last thing? Because it's gonna okay, it, yes, it, okay, okay. The last Sorry. one that you I, I was have premature here is use certificates of deposit. Oh, finally, <laughs> we get to like real valuable advice. Yeah, because that's that, gonna get you but, to a million. But can I tell you, can I just tell you those articles, Rod, are everywhere so like if you type in google uh what's the best finance what's the best way to get wealthy you'll get numerous articles that are like that now mm-hmm. i will say this though right i i look at these and i think about like our typical client our typical listener and i'm like this that there's no way that our people are paying any attention to that there's just no way they're way more savvy 
way more sophisticated than to be dealing in that. Okay, you would hope so. But... Are you saying they're not? This link was sent to me by a client. Oh. Just right. in time for this. And oh. So... Now the holy the smokes! Of... I genuinely didn't know that, Rod. <laughs> this wasn't like a setup. No, no. The nature of our conversation I, holy though, smokes. was this, because he's all on board on on the alternative investments. Basically, yeah. what what we were doing is we were saying, you know, is can it be done? Like, can someone using the traditional, pl- you know, uh, planning stuff out there using the stock market do this? Right, like get get to a decent retirement, get to the million by fifty or whatever. And unfortunately, he was using this as as evidence that, oh, hey, it turns out that you can get to a million by 50. And so, which was probably part of the reason why I was expecting there to be a little more hard evidence of, hey, if you do this, you get this return, you compound it, you know, whatever, then, then voila, age 50, you're there. Okay. Meh. Okay, so are we ready to grade it yet? <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so are we grading on a typical A, B, C, D, E? Yeah. Not E, no E's. No E's. F's? F's. Okay, I will give it like a a D plus. That's, I think it's generous. Probably generous. Yeah, I think it is generous. I mean, it did have like, like you said, better than nothing using, you know, high interest savings account and potentially a tax deferred retirement account. So it wasn't like absolute zero, but it was certainly not not anything to get excited about. Yeah, so anyway, and that so might have been generous, but that's where I went. That's yeah, I'll I'm just going. go with the D. And but the the challenge with this is, I often use the word that this is like like the loudest voice out there is telling you to do these things, and and we're telling you alternative investments, invest with benefits is a much much better way to go. And like you said, that this, this is just all over the place. Like who it is. If it's you've read broad. if you've read 10 articles like this, you didn't need to read this one because it's just telling you the same thing as you read in everything else. Right. Okay. Don't listen to that garbage. So I, I again I can't imagine that like people it almost feels like fake, right? It feels like most of it's like clickbait. It's mm-hmm. just like the same stuff, right? And usually it's promoting, like I say, credit card opportunities or or banks that want to put, you know, want you to take your savings there. Like, but it's, it's just like, not, not real advice whatsoever. So I would hope Rod, and I'm a little nervous now that you said that I kind of wish that you would have kept that news to yourself, (laughs) to yourself, but I'm still hoping, praying that like 98% of the people we work with would just like, just think that was like not even worth a read. Yeah. Okay. Woo. Okay, Rod. I'm. I'm. Uh, we're gonna. We gotta move along here. We're gonna take all day if we if we take that much time on it. Yeah. Okay. Good news is, I think I've got something a little more exciting. Okay. I'm ready. And in the in the spirit of the true spirit of Halloween, which we're just two days away from, I'm looking out my window and I can see like Jack Skellington up there. I've got a giant pumpkin, a giant ghost. Like we were rocking out for Halloween. My kids love it. And they would be really disappointed if I didn't focus on Halloween for this particular endeavor. So here's the deal. This is great, Rod. This is the headline. Pumpkins shaped like people's heads. A dream come true. Okay. (laughs) And now I've got to read just a little bit. So I'm, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a little bit of everybody, a little bit about Pumpkinstein. Now you may have already like, listen, if you're listening to this, maybe you've already like jumped on the craze, but if you haven't, Pumpkinstein is becoming a thing. Okay. Tony Degara, Degara was working long hours, losing sleep, running low on money, but the organic farmer from California had a great pumpkin dream. The dream was to grow pumpkins into shapes using molds and become rich, harvesting the frankenfruit and selling it for top dollar. He said, I couldn't make it work. I tried everything and it would not work to the point where I was just ready to give up. Mm. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of the article, but here's what I'm going to tell you. He kept with it. Mm -hmm. So last year he sold 
5,000 Pumpkinstein pumpkins for like, I think they they sold for like a hundred bucks or something like that. Okay. Right. Um, but he just was like, I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do to like really take this thing to the next level. Well, guess what? He found a partner and really I should say this, a partner found him and he, this year working with Sam's club has put out over 90,000, 90,000. So they went from 5,000 yeah, at like a wow. hundred bucks a pumpkin yeah. to 90,000 in a year. Um, and this man's dream of becoming wealthy, harvesting, what did he call frankenfruit, mm -hmm. creating pumpkin steins was absolutely, it absolutely came true when he made that relationship with Sam's Club. He became an instant, he became instantly wealthy and now he's rolling, man. So wow. what do you think of that? Right? I did not see that coming. Cause even when you were saying in the, in the shape of, of a human head, I was just thinking like, okay, generally having kind of the dimensions, but you're, but, but this is like legitimately. Yeah, I think so. Molded I think to that shape. Yeah, I think it is. Real fruit, uh, these pumpkin real, times real pumpkin. are legit. I okay. wish that I would have like thought ahead enough to give you uh, a like picture to put up on the screen for us. But anyway, look it up. Pumpkin steins are a real thing. And I'll got, I got to be honest with you. I have every intention of ordering a pumpkin stein next year. So <laughs> we're two days past, like probably doesn't make sense this year, but next year I've got, uh, and I love Rod. I love the story that this dude followed his dream as an entrepreneur and he created something like really amazing. It's just That's like awesome. a really great story. So That's anyway, awesome. this one for me was an easy one to grade. I'm giving it a solid a on the investment yeah. benefits scale Absolutely. because rod think about it think about like he's he's using things like leverage right mm -hmm. he he used the leverage leveraging the relationship with sam's club to like really take that thing big and yeah. of course you know all of the benefits that you get with by being an entrepreneur um i just think it it nails it on the invest with benefits scale so will I'm you do a favor for me i will when you get your uh pumpkin stein will you also find a melon hat appropriate for it <laughs> yes um i actually was ordering gonna order a bunch of melon hats so that i could put logos on them okay and uh i can i i think i can find something that makes sense for pumpkin stein i love it okay 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 that. well that was my art my first one rod this is this is going better than i thought i'm excited yeah. man. well you Good you story. definitely dug a little deeper than i did so you, so you get to go you, and again because i only came with a couple so oh do you want me to go again yep. okay Okay, Rod, my second one, um, we're taking this in a little bit of a different direction, but okay. this is a big headline today. It's a big headline, and it's certainly relevant to the things that we talk about. So the, the title or the headline kind of tells the story, but I, I really like how this was. New York Times, home sellers win $1.8 billion after jury finds conspiracy among realtors. Wow. You heard Yikes. about that story yet, Rod? I did not hear about that one. So it's like okay. a class action? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Basically, there's like, yeah, at a very large level, there's a lawsuit that's against like major, the major real estate companies, like mm -hmm. basically all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Like Keller Williams. Anyway, you go on and on. But, but the idea is basically they're saying that Realtor commissions are significantly higher in the U.S. than in other, um, well, like first world developed countries. companies. Yeah, companies. developed countries. That's mm -hmm. the word I was looking for. And um, anyway, like they said, it was like three times higher. And oh. I can tell you that people are not happy about that. No, and they're feeling like it's making it difficult. Now, there's two sides to this story, though, Rod, and this is what I think is interesting about it. The other side of it is that the like the realtors associations the people representing the realtors are saying like hey doing this like reducing commissions doing this thing this is going to actually make it more difficult to get quality advice quality help and support so that mm -hmm. they can actually buy and sell homes reasonably well yeah so it's really an interesting back and forth but at least as of right now um the jury has awarded 1.8 billion 
and they think it's going to go up. The the attorney had a quote that said something about uh, they expected to get to five billion. Now, yeah. their their job is to to continue to move in that direction. So I'm not yeah. right now. It's one point eight. That's a lot of money. That's it is kind of wild. Now, and who gets that? Is it everybody who bought a home, bought or sold? <laughs> it's a great question. I probably should have read uh, further to that figure one? that out. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I bought a house. Yeah, you did. Although, can I just tell you, I was happy to pay my realtor yeah. the commission that he made. So, so Scott, if you're listening to this, um, if they try to make you give that money back, I don't want you to. I'll just give it back to you again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, same here, Scott. So, okay. Yep. Same guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, Rod. I don't know how to grade this one because it's kind of a, it doesn't necessarily fit in that same in like grading scale, but um, is there a way to grade it, Rod? Well, okay, let's do this. Let's look at it from the side of the, of the homeowners that did the suing. And we'll say, we'll say it's like a, a maybe a D cause don't, don't try to build wealth through going out and, and litigating. How's that? <laughs> okay. I like it. So the litigation methodology as a wealth building tool is probably even an F. Yeah. Now, so I'm going to give that particular strategy an F. Um, although, Rod, I, I always say this, the situation is absolutely the boss. Mm -hmm. And so if there's like a definitive situation that's sure. unique to you, then it could be a significant thing. But for most people litigation's not the answer yeah so, well and that's and the other thing so let's, maybe let's do it from the other side too you were happy we were both happy with scott because he he was great like he did his job he was there he uh he yeah. helped us and mm -hmm. earned what we paid him we were happy right? to pay him for it and i've seen a yeah. bunch that are that do that and i've seen situations where they did not earn their keep but they still get paid like it's just the percentage they're just going to get what they're going to get uh and regardless of how much, how helpful they are. So maybe, you know, do a good job for people, right? Okay. Okay. Here's a question, Rod, from your perspective, is this good for home buyers, for con consumers, home buyers? Okay. There are a lot of uh, industries out there that have it's just like this tradition, right? The percentage of what you pay a realtor is tradition, right? So, is it probably fair to say that, especially in a lot of markets in the U.S., that that market values are higher here than they are in other developed countries? That's probably true, right? So then, it, when you take the percentage of that and you say, well, do in dollars and cents, how much did they get paid? Well, they got paid more here than they are, are getting paid elsewhere, but it's based on that that percentage, right? So if something like this can shake things up a little bit, make, make people rethink and not just go with it just because that's what tradition was, then you know, I, I think it could bring some benefit, but but if okay. it's just so it could create it can it can create some balance and yet again probably uh not a good win not a good day for realtors yeah not a good luck for sure okay rod why don't you give me your second one okay so this one uh i was surprised when i found this and it, it we can be fast on this one but basically the the headline is 401k retirement plans are growing in popularity. And my first oh, thought, wow. Yeah, that, my they? first thought was how can that be possible? Like I don't know how you exactly measure popularity, but if it's like everybody's doing it, everybody's talking about it, every you like that that's how people retire in this country or how that at least how that conversation goes for the vast majority. I don't know how it grows in popularity, but that was a a surprise and in fact the, the first line in the, in the article says the 401k is rapidly becoming the most popular qualified retirement plan. Wasn't it already? <laughs> That's the thing. But it's dated November 3rd, 2023, which as we speak, it's actually not even November 3rd yet. So there you have it. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I'll give you that. Um, I, I think Rod that I hate to give it an F on the invest with benefits scale because you are one investing and that's something inside yeah. of like a qualified plan, right? Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. you're putting it into mutual funds or whatever. That's positive in some ways. Um, 
you're tax deferring your money, which may or may not end up being helpful and valuable, but you're also locking it up and, you know, keeping, you know, you're, you're, there's lost opportunity costs to Mm -hmm. having to keep that money in that one place. Uh, But you also may be taking advantage of a match in order to get that. And, and that's money that you wouldn't get otherwise. So, so I feel like I should probably give, well, the fact that it's like, like that it's rapidly, rapidly growing. Is that true? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, I, I, I give the headline, uh, F I give the idea behind investing in qualified plans, like a, like a C. Okay. Well, what I'll do is I'll turn your C into a C plus only because they, uh, because Roth 401ks have become more of a thing. So, oh yeah, that's true. You were saying, that's you know, de- deferring your money is is good if that's good. Well, if it's not, and you would rather just pay the tax now and then and then not pay it later, then and inside of the a Roth four hundred one k, you can contribute more than you could in a, a Roth IRA. Number one, and number two, it doesn't have income limits. So if you want to do a Roth IRA, but you make too much, you can't do that. But it doesn't matter how much you make if if you're offered a Roth. 401k option then you can opt in regardless of how much you make okay okay so, that those are all really good points i didn't i wasn't thinking about that on the other side so um i feel like you may have like nudged me up a little bit so that was pretty that's it's not bad right like it's not bad c plus um, that's pretty good so far certainly i mean it's a little bit better than average right yeah, so yeah. we'll take it okay rod my next one i'm excited about this I'm really excited because I okay. think uh, this is good. This is good. So it's coming from, oh, I should have been saying the the websites that I was looking at. This one's na- on the NASDAQ, nasdaq.com. Okay. Three reasons whiskey is the money-making alternative investment of the ultra wealthy you may not have considered. Ah, you may not have all considered. Right. Okay. Three reasons whiskey is the money-making alternative investment of the ultra wealthy. Okay. Let's let's see if we agree with the three reasons. Okay? okay. So number one, Rod, commodities do well during inflation. Okay. Number two, whiskey can preserve generational wealth. I love that one. And number three, people like to drink whiskey. Okay. So number one, Rod, what do you think? Do commodities do well during inflation? Is that a is that a reasonable claim? They they do well in the sense that it's a hard asset. They hold their value, right? Yeah. So so even if you only measured it by inflation, and and it it held its value, then then you're whatever inflation was, that's what you earned, right? Yeah. There, here's what they say: as costs for these commodities go up, as they do in an inflationary environment, the value of whiskey rises. In the last couple of years, the barrel market has seen rather consistent, stable appreciation, as is expected for the long term for an industrial asset. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I think that that one's probably a fair statement. The second one, whiskey can preserve generational wealth. I feel like I need to state what they say, just so we have a reference for what we're talking about here. Okay. There's barrels of scotch whiskey on the planet right now that have outlived their original owners. Typically, bottles of whiskey aged 50 plus years may sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I didn't know that, Rod. Hmm. That means the barrels themselves are worth many millions of dollars, she said. People can do and use this as a succession plan. People may purchase a barrel when a child is born and then pass the barrel on to the child to pay for college or a first home when they get married. In the latter case, the investor may also bottle some of the whiskey for wedding favors as a gift. To the bride and groom. Look, there's just all sorts of things you can do. But the yeah, point is, yeah. is, this is a way to preserve generational wealth. So whiskey, generational wealth co- combined. I like it. Yeah. So you you're think? so you're taking them to school. You deliver them with their with all of their books and well, I mean not books anymore. People don't read books anymore, huh? Anyway, you deliver them with all their stuff, and then you roll the barrel up. And you say, here you go. Here you go. Yep. Take it with you. Well, can I just tell you, man, this is like, I didn't know that a a barrel of whiskey was like the do it all investment. Yeah. But apparently it is. Apparently it is. It can take you to college. You can get your first home. 
Um, I don't know if you just sell like a portion of it or or if you have to sell all of it. Yeah, like time. you just start and pulling out and, and filling up bottles and selling it a bottle maybe, at a time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you get it. Maybe it's one of those things where you get the barrel. Maybe you, you get up to like college age. You sell the barrel for whatever that value is. Yeah. Then, Rod, you place that money into the investment optimizer to pay for Then you pay for college through the policy and you start to invest in other places to continue and perpetuate the generational value of that that barrel of whiskey brilliant okay 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 and then number three and i i don't know a lot about this rod but people like to drink whiskey okay so this one is the part where it it deviates a little bit from the original idea now if you're saying people like to drink whiskey therefore they're willing to pay a lot for it and if you're the seller and you're getting a lot for it then that's that's good and I also hear about people who will break into their very expensive liquor and drink it on special occasions. And then, you know, I mean, if you're saying uh, don't drink your investment. If, if that's, if your barrel is for if, that, then you brought, you, you better yeah. not consume it. If your purpose was to drink it, great, go for it. But if your purpose is to create generational wealth or do some of these other things, then maybe not so much. Okay, so Costa Van Putin, he was the the expert that they were interviewing in this, okay. says half the people that come to us are big-time whiskey guys and gals. Uh, the other half, however, are just looking for a solid investment with attractive returns, unrelated to the stock market or other financial markets. Okay, yeah. So if you're the seller and there's a big market because people want to consume the expensive They're whiskey, take, it, yeah. take advantage of it. Yeah. Okay, um, so... Rod, I'm going to give this a solid B plus on the invest with benefits scale. I think while you probably don't want to go all in on whiskey, mm-hmm. um, there is value in assets like this kind of thing that, you know, you, you we don't typically think of. Yeah. Right. We think of it like like fine art. Oh, oh, I'm I've got a I've got an artwork. Oh, one. okay. That's a all little right. bit teaser. of a teaser. All right. Yep. So so anyway, like in terms of in the invest with benefits philosophy, I think it for the most part like encompasses that. Yeah. It's just a matter of like how big do you want to go in like one specific asset class and especially one that's like ultra ultra niche like mm-hmm. whiskey. Mm-hmm. But but having something like this as a as a small portion of your portfolio man i think i think it could be good yeah so yep i give it a b plus okay well i'll go with a b um and and my thought is we we often talk about in the alternative investment world it can include all kinds of different things well why why shouldn't include this especially for somebody who we we also talk about invest in things you know right if you have some sort of knowledge around this or you know people that you trust and you can you know collaborate with them on it then then why not i like it Okay, well said, Rod. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to go again because I have more yeah, than you. That's great. Yep. So here's a here's an interesting one, Rod. Are alternative investments becoming mainstream? Ooh. Okay. All right. So that and really that's the question. So, but that's the headline, and mm-hmm. I want to get your initial reaction just based on the headline. Nothing else is actually in the article. So the question, Rod, is. Are alternatives, from your perspective, yeah, becoming more mainstream? Well, I think the same reason I felt like that the the headline I gave where four hundred one ks are growing in popularity is the same reason why I feel like what what you're saying is true that alternatives are becoming more familiar to people, more more people are aware of them. They're looking for al- alternatives, and and again, I'm a little bit jaded because. I'm so regularly meeting with people who are coming the other direction, coming that direction toward alternatives. They've decided. So they you're like, like, you're like 90% of people love alternatives. Yeah, they love Just them. Are all Everybody in does. It. Nobody wants a 401k. Weird. Everybody wants alternatives. <laughs> That's Rod. Come on. Don't, don't, bash 401ks we just gave it like a c <laughs> so that's I that know, was I know. couldn't you have said like like uh, i don't know what's a really bad vehicle that we really don't like well I mean, mutual like funds like mutual but mutual fu- no it's not even that because mutual <laughs> funds are part of the 401k like I know, again okay. that's All getting right. a c on the scale 
you're being way over biased, but luckily I'm here to like create a little balance in the yeah. situation. Man, everyone's grateful. Um, okay. Okay. So, so I think that there's, I think it's a valid question and here's what I'll say. Uh, I did read the article and basically what they suggested is that our alternatives are moving up. Like I can't remember the percentages, but based on last year at this time, based from last year at this time to today, it's up like 7%, something like that, which is pretty, pretty. And when I say 7%, I'm saying seven percentage points. So that would be like up, you know, 20, 30% from a year ago. Yeah. Right. 25%. So uh, here's a couple of thoughts on us, Rod. One millennials and Gen Z lead the charge in demand for alternative assets. So compared to older generations, younger investors allocate a higher percentage of their portfolios to alternative investments. In our survey, 72% of millennials and 85% of Gen Z surveys said they dedicated between 10 and 20% of their portfolios to alternatives in 2022. Interesting. So yeah. is it fair to say, Rod, that the younger generations just tend to challenge the status quo right i would say that's true yeah and like us older people should like really try i, I mean like middle-aged people but as <laughs> as we get older we should really try to like consider like instead of being like the crotchety old guy i have this goal of being like i was gonna say I, i'm not trying to be hip i'm not trying to be cool let's be real clear about that but i do want to understand like what's actually going on in the world and realize that things just always get better, right? Generally cha challenging the status quo leads to, often leads to better results. I would suggest that this is a good sign. Millennials and Gen Z, they're thinkers. They usually wanna work less, gain more. Isn't that the joke? Ah, oh, these millennials, they still live in their parents' <laughs> basements. Um, I'm a millennial, by the way, Rod. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, and you're not in your mom's uh, basement. And I am not in my mom's basement. Um, I haven't been for a long time either, Rod, hmm. but I was once, I was once. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple other thoughts demand for what does the d demand for alternative assets mean for financial advisors, Rod? Mm -hmm. That's the question I want to ask you. And then we're going to move on to the next headline. So what do you think? Yeah, well, this is the one that it's really tough for a financial advisor to get on board with these unless they're going to become a real estate professional, a real estate uh, agent, right? Start cashing in on, on the actual sell or the buy of the assets. Because as a traditional financial advisor, you can give out the advice and then they're going to go and, and buy it and someone else is going to get the, the commission, right? Yeah, there's, well, there's limitations on what you can, like, like you're likely not going to say, Hey, real estate's amazing. If you're a traditional financial advisor, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to say real estate's an amazing asset. I would go connect with some agents and start looking for some, you know, beat up houses to renovate. Mm -hmm. they're, they're probably not going to do that. They're probably going to say real estate is a great alternative asset class. Let's look at a real estate investment trust yep. as uh, that's doing X, Y, Z as an alternative but still feels acts and feels like mutual fund. Yeah. But is basically has an alternative underlying asset. So, it's, yep. but it's not the same, right? There's yeah. The there's same a is going to be difference between how those two, those two investment styles actually work. Yeah. You have to And the same is going to be true with precious metals. Well, don't, don't go buy the gold, buy a stock, you know, the gold yeah. company or, or these, these funds or whatever. Uh, whiskey, Can, are there? Uh, whiskey I, I don't know if there's whiskey stocks. There? I don't know if there's whiskey. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, it's you know, it's a big industry, Rod. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's got to be whiskey companies that you can yeah. buy stock Someone's in. Someone's out so, there. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, okay, okay. I would say this, Rod. It's probably not great for for traditional financial advisors. Um, I would say it's good for people who are willing to adjust who are willing to like, you know, zig and zag when the time is yeah, necessary. Uh, yeah. But if you're, if you're like set in your ways, man, this is going to be, I believe it is going to continue to be more difficult for traditional financial advisors. 
just my take. Agreed. Um, okay. Okay, Rod. On the invest with benefits scale, I don't know what to say. It's some of these don't fit my invest I mean, with benefits scale very well. I'll just say it's like it's A minus because it's it's right there with what we're what we're doing. You're right. right. It's saying that alternatives are starting to like take hold. So that's a, that's an A headline. I'll take it. That's because again, we believe that that is one of, if not the primary, driver for wealth creation like the most effective type of wealth creation. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, uh, I like it. I'm giving it a full A-Rod. Sweet. A-Rod. Should I start calling you A-Rod? Oh, that doesn't fit. Never mind. Yeah. That was that was A-Rod. Okay. Just clarify. No hyphens. Okay, Rod, next one. Why don't, why don't you uh, tell okay, us yeah. what you got? So I've got one more. The headline is, Land is underrated as a source of wealth. Ooh, land is underrated. Maybe land is underrated as a source of wealth. Yeah. Why? Okay, so this was, it was an opinion column, but it was actually published by Bloomberg, right? I mean, who who would have okay. guessed it? But hey, there you Crazy. have it. And what was interesting is, is uh, what they're doing is, is comparing it against equities. So they're saying, if you look at the stock market from 1870 or something to today, and you compare that against the growth in, in value of land, then they're actually really similar, almost exactly the same. Now, what I would then say and, and add to that, because because actually in, in the actual article, they're going back and forth a little bit. Eh, should I invest in stocks or should I invest in land? You're going to win either way is basically what they're saying. However, the thing that they uh, conveniently or not, not conveniently left out is they were only looking at the value of the land like buying and holding and keeping the land, but what are you doing with it, right? If it's an income producing property, now that takes it to a completely different level because not only did you roughly match the growth of equities over between 1870 and today, you had income along the way. And my guess is a lot of it that pushed it from, you know, what they're saying was was on average roughly a eight to 10% uh, average appreciation of value over those years to whatever, 20, 25% when you add the income. I don't, I don't know what to say, Rod. I'm not sure yeah. what to say. So it just in terms of like the, the grade, uh, the headline is good, right? Underrated. We can all agree on that. Um, yeah. the, once you get in the meat of it, it kind of waters the message down a little bit. So for an as an article with the investment benefits scale, I'm going to give it like a C. Okay, Rod, will you tell me the headline one more time? Land is underrated as a source of wealth. Okay, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I do like I do like alter. I've seen some people do really well with land. In fact, I had a friend years ago. I have a friend, but I haven't talked to him in a few years. But he um, did some crazy crazy deals in the land market right mm. in the 2018 and really he was he was an agent but really an investor just happened to yeah. be you know have a license um but he in a very unique market was able to grab land basically like sell it immediately without even taking possession of it for you know significantly more than what he bought it for and mm -hmm, he was able to mm -hmm. do, do that a few times really did well but yeah. That doesn't really, like, I don't know if that really fits the gist of what we're talking about here. So can land be a good investment opportunity? I think in the right situation, it could be. Um, but I think a C is a solid, solid grade for it. Sweet. Okay, Rod, I've got, I've got some more, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to take us like to two hours of this, but I am okay. going to do a, a couple more just for fun. Okay. Yep. Um, I want to give us the other side since I talked about how alternative investments are becoming mainstream. My next one, Rod, is the five downsides of investing in alternatives. Okay. All what right. do you think? Okay. And I want to know from your perspective, are these genuinely downsides? And like, you know, would they, maybe would they be enough to stay away? Like, okay. let's figure it out. Okay. So the first downside, longer time horizons. What do you think? Is that I true? Is that it false? Is, is that somewhere in between? Well, 
compare it, it's all compared to what right but when if you yeah. are comparing it to what most people are saying in terms of 401k then the five seven ten year time horizon is going to be much better for me than when i when i was putting money in my 401k and i was 23 years old and it was a you know what 28 year time horizon 30 anyway i'm i'm not doing the math right but anyway it was a much longer time horizon compared to that so uh but it, it's fair i mean you have to plan on that like if you're going in thinking you're going to turn around or thinking you have liquidity when you don't then that is makes it a downside but i don't know that i think of it as a downside okay. it's just so so, uh, so like you're saying longer time horizons in some situations is true the underlying actual investment has a longer time horizon than a mutual fund which is obviously liquid yeah right immediately liquid um, like you said, if you wrap that in something else, like uh, an IRA or 401k, suddenly the liquidity, you know, goes down and, and really I, I was going to interject and say, well, Rod, I don't know that that's totally fair, uh, because technically you can still get to it. You just take a 10% penalty that having said that, if you're like most people, your 401k money, unless it's an old 401k. Usually you can't get to that money if you're still working at that place, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so if I'm at an old 401k, uh, if I have an old 401k, I roll it into a, an IRA, like I can go get that, take the 10% penalty. Yeah. It's, still, it's still relatively liquid. If on the other hand, I roll that into my new 401k, all of a sudden that becomes illiquid until the point in time that my current plan tells me that I can, that I can use it, which is generally once you retire. Occasionally, we've seen situations where people can get to it for a handful of years before they're in retirement. Yeah. But but that's, again, usually the exception rather than the rule. So anyway, yep. I think that's true. Um, but again, five, seven time, five, seven, 10 year time frames is common when you get into like a real estate deal uh, or precious metals or really a lot of these, a lot of the harder assets you want to have a little bit longer time frames. Yeah. Okay. Rod, number two, the potential for gates and fees. Okay, so here's the deal. This one, um, I didn't know what it meant by gates. Gates. I was like, okay, so so to limit redemption and prevent a run on, on a fund, liquid alternative funds will often impose a gate. If more than 5% of the investors wait to exit the investments per quarter, this means that once the fund reaches the 5% threshold, investors will not be able to exit the investment. Okay. Yeah. So this is like a really specific example though, right? So I don't know that this one is ultra relevant, uh, but the fee part might be. So the potential for for this other stuff, is it real? Yeah. I mean, and the answer is, is yes, right? Depending on what you're investing yeah. in. If, okay, I'll give you an example. We, we were buying some precious metals, and you knew if you bought it today and you were thinking you were going to sell it tomorrow, you were going to have to sell for whatever, like 15% cut or 20% cut because you had to pay the the seller, right? So, uh, yeah, fees, sure. Okay, but fees. again, compare it to stocks or compare it to other things and, you know, fees. Okay, Rod, number three complex tax reporting unlike stocks and bonds which are reported to the irs via 1099 alternative assets are partnerships that require investors to file schedule k1 forms mm -hmm. more complex than 1099s rod is is that a problem for you it is a it is a downside i would say i talk okay. to people regularly and they and they're often um unhappy about the fact that the k1s always come late I shouldn't say always, yep. often come late. They're trying to file their, yeah. their extended return in October and they're still trying to get their K-1s. So that's... Okay. What about lack of control? This is interesting, Rod, because oftentimes we go the other direction with this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Since alternative investments are limited partnerships, fund manager holds all the control could decide how long to invest and when to sell. What do yeah, you have to say about I that? I could say, yeah, I'd say that's a potential downside for sure. Okay, but but again, like the, the challenge I'm having with some of these is that they're like really specific to 
a definitive asset or like a fund or something like that. But like, that's not always true, right? Like, obviously, if I am doing a real estate deal on my own, there's not a fund manager even involved, right? right? So anyway, probably depends on the situation. Um, Okay, and then last one. And these are kind of funny because like, they're all true, right? But... But again, the the question is in comparison. Yeah. So, Rod, number five is potential for underperformance. All right. I mean, what do you think? Okay, this one, this one's kind of lame because it's really talking about liquid alternatives. So it says, which okay. again is ironic because up above it said that we have we have no liquidity, but now they're talking. They're making a bunch of points about liquid. Okay, um, I don't want to go into any more of it. Here's here's why I brought it up. I just wanted to bring in both sides of the equation mm-hmm. and look at these and say, okay, like we are constantly touting the value of moving into the alternative space as yeah. a more effective way to build wealth. But are we being fair about it? Like, is it honest? Is it truthful? Is it authentic? And therefore, what? Or therefore, it feels relevant to talk about those things that are true. So quick, quick thoughts on this. Um, every one of those are true. Like all of those have uh, some legitimacy to them. And yet the real question from my perspective has less to do with like, I view these as more of like characteristic characteristics of certain types of investments. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to say that they all fit inside of alternatives. It's too yeah. broad. Um, but the question I would ask is, does the potential or the the upside and the opportunity and the additional benefits, right? Being able to use leverage, create cash flow, mm-hmm. being, you know, using the investment optimizer to create the additional layer of profitability, like doing all these things, creating tax benefits, mm-hmm. depreciation that I can't get. So, like, also, yes, I'm going to have more complex tax reporting. The question is, is that more complex tax reporting worth the value that I'm getting, the the tax benefits I'm getting that are requiring me to do that? Right, right. And and the thing I would say is if you're looking for a a place to invest your money that brings zero risk, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. Well, or or has no negatives, right? Everything has some negatives. Has some negatives and, and has some risk. Quote, like quote if, negatives. if you say, well, I'll just hang on to the cash and put it under my mattress. Well, that's risk, right? That lost value in the last few years. So anyway, that the idea that there are risks with everything is absolutely true. So we would say, understand those. Like any anytime you can look at any alternative class, be it real estate, whiskey, you know, business, whatever. Uh, you're just, you're speaking to the potential for underperformance right now. And I, I would say even across the board, like all, even the previous p- points that they brought up because, you know, uh, understanding the liquidity of, of the ass of the thing I'm investing in is critical, right? The time horizon, uh, you know, the, the tax, like, okay, great. There are tax benefits that come with it. How do I take advantage of those? Okay. Okay. Rod, but is complex tax reporting a risk that's not it's, a risk like it's only it's a risk a, if, it's a pain in the butt but it's not a it's not like a it's not a risk it's only a risk to the extent that if if i if it's not worth it to me and i give up the tax benefits because of the complexity then it wasn't it didn't end up being a benefit for me at all right okay 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 i didn't really think of it in terms of risk but i'm with you Okay, um, let's do one more and then we'll call it a day, should we? Yep. Okay. Oh, I have to make sure I get to this one. We might do, actually, we have to do two more. Okay. We have to do two more. Okay. Wall Street Journal, Rod, this is just kind of a quick one. So I'm going to describe this for people. Um, Sotheby's, I don't know how to say that, Sotheby's sold Mark Ruthko's untitled yellow and blue piece of art to an anonymous Asian collector for $46.5 million. Um, And I'm just going to describe this piece of art to you. It is a rectangle, right? Just a rectangle 
The top half is yellow, like a goldish yellow painted. And then the next like 90% of the next half is blue. And then there's not even, not like a straight solid line. It's more just like, looks like a painted, like stop, they stopped painting. And then the very bottom is gold again. Okay. Like yellow gold. That's it. Rod, like I'm a poor artist and I am pretty (laughs) certain that I could pull this thing off. Yeah. And so what I'm suggesting here, Rod, is that maybe we should all go make millions by, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's investing in art or being the artist. I I don't know, but like art, art, Rod, what do you think? This is, I I tease that there was going to be an art element here. And sure enough, there is, that is one painting for nearly $50 million. Oh, Rod, you know what? I went to Scotland once upon a time. This okay. was years ago. And I was in a castle, uh, like like at this big estate, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was, we were just going in it to like tour it. We spent, you know, a handful of hours there. And when we got in there, they told us that there was a billion dollars worth of art. Oh, wow. In that one building. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. Okay, can I just tell you, I was way more impressed with the art that I was seeing there <laughs> than the art I'm seeing here. But, you know, I just probably don't have quite the eye for, for art. I'm telling you this, I wouldn't pay 50 mil for that one, Rob. I'd be terrified that they'd, that like, like a week later, they'd be like, oh, actually, that's worth like 50 Turns bucks. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shoot, that's a, that's a, okay. Anyway, I just thought it was kind of a funny, interesting, like, yeah, crazy thing. So, I enjoy art. Um, but yeah, I've I've never paid more than a few hundred dollars for a piece of art. So okay, yeah, I, I have like especially for like big like for yeah. a big piece of art. Like I've spent a little bit of money on it. But anyway, that that one is wild. And um, it's usually the frame. If you know, if you art. know your your art, then hey, it could Go be a it. really good opportunity, right? Yeah. Why not? Okay, uh, we don't even need to grade that one. We're moving on to our final one, Rod. Okay. This is this is great. Okay, 40-year-old works only five hours a week and makes $160,000 a month of passive income. And this is what he says. These are, there's three complete lies about side hustles. Okay? Okay. Lie number one, you have to work a lot of hours to make a great income. Okay. Lie number two, you have to have a large team in order to make a large income. Okay. Lie number three, your happiness will increase as your income increases. Okay, Rod, what's your take on on the 40-year-old that works only five hours a week and makes 160000 a month in passive income? Yeah, I mean, lie number one, it's true. That's a lie. I mean, if you're saying a lie in the sense that if you're throwing a blanket over and saying this applies for everybody, then correct. You don't have to spend a lot of hours to make a lot of money. There you're are just, people you're out saying there. It is possible to work yeah. a few hours and make significant money. Yep. I would say we there genuinely believe that there's who, tons of people who do it. We see it. Okay. I totally agree. And yep. I think it's important though. I think it's an important thing for people to realize that it doesn't have to be that way. Cause sometimes yeah. we just come, you know, maybe it's, like beliefs that we had in our youth or whatever, like we're passing it beliefs from one generation to another that like work equals value in all situations. And I just think people need to understand that you don't have to do it that way. And there's no better time in the world to exist than today when it comes to finding opportunities to make money in kind of more unique ways. So anyway, I like that one. Line number one. Can I, I agree. Can I throw just a little caveat on there? No, that no, is... you can't. You can't. You don't have to work hard to get there if that's what you're going to say, Rod. So don't even start. It's... Okay. <laughs> In a lot of cases, it takes more work on the front end. So to be 40 no, and I be doing that, that, who knows knew in his, when that. he was 30 what he was doing, right? So. Maybe, maybe. But, Rod, I will say this. There is a belief deep in my soul, deep in my soul, that... There is too much emphasis on work just for the emphasis, just, just to work. Yeah. And now that's great. If you want to work and that's like creates your like 
like value, like helps you feel comfortable and confident with yourself. Like those are all great things, right? But there's this, I, there really is an idea that the two are like directly connected. And I just don't believe that at all. That's, that's why that's like, that's the epitome of my life is mm -hmm. creating a lot of income without having to, I, I have the choice and I choose to, but without having to work that kind of, yeah. that kind of time. And so like living something similar to that life is kind of like, a lot of people could do it if they just understood that concept and started to work on efficiency. It's a boring yeah. word, but yeah. efficiency, man, it's just so critical. Okay. Sorry. Lie number two, Rod, you need a large team to make the buco bucks. What do you think? Not always true. Not always true. Okay. I'm going to just say not true. You don't need it because you're right. It's not always true. And I would say you, you don't ever need a large team. I mean, maybe that's not true. I, I'm struggling with this, but here's, I, I just agree with it totally. I don't think this kind of goes into the same um, thought processes and philosophy in that first, which is in the first point, which is there's these typical things that we have to grow a company a specific way. And in we, you know, it's kind of a lack of focus on efficiency and using technology and all these different elements and just the idea that you just have to hire a lot of people. If you don't have a company that has 500 people in it, you're not going to make a couple million bucks a year. Mm -hmm. Cause guess what? You can make a couple million bucks a year with a team of two or three, or you could make a couple million bucks as the CEO of a, you know, a large company. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Line number three, Rod. Your happiness will increase as your income increases. This one is a little tricky for me. So here's the deal. Does having money just like suddenly make you like a more like you wake up in the morning and any issues and challenges that you had before are gone? No, 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 no. However, however, not having the stress and, um, hangover that can come from like money stress mm -hmm. is incredibly freeing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint, I do think there's this element to creating an additional level of comfort and happiness. Um, but the question I think then is how long does it last? Right. Or, or maybe, maybe it's, it's, is there a point and there's studies that we've seen about this, yep. right. But yep. is there a point in time where it's no longer increasing happiness. We're no longer just like, you know, freeing ourselves of financial worry. Now, you know, is it really doing what it did at the front end? But I will say, I absolutely believe getting to a place of feeling financial free will 100% increase a person's happiness. That's my take. Yeah. What's and your I take, can, Rod? No, I can agree with that. And that, um, and you basically said everything I was thinking, the whole kind of diminishing returns once you get past a certain point is proven okay rod um, let's wrap this thing up then i'm giving this one a solid a because this is totally up my alley this is like my life philosophy yeah in this article so i don't remember this guy's name but uh graham cochran that's his name i think graham you're nailing it my friend i love it you don't have to have a large team if you want one and you want to go big i say do i say do it you don't have to go work a ton of hours. If you want to and you love what you do, I say do it. Um, and all of those things will increase your happiness at least somewhat. Now that I'm saying that, Rod, I only like two of the three. So yeah. I have to give it, I have to bump it down to an A minus. <laughs> okay. That hurts. Uh, but I like the philosophy in general. Uh, Sweet. Great at forest, Rod. And then we're taking off. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll just go B. You know my Ouch. caveats, so like, that was like a little punch in the gut. No, Rod, but no, okay, no. Okay, this okay. is no surprise is good. to you or to me that <laughs> that we don't always align. But you know, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I'm just right. That's the difference. Um, <laughs> as long as we know at the end of the day as that I'm right, Rod, that? then 
<laughs> as long as we can agree on that, everything's totally. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. All right. Um, I think your perspectives are are totally valid, Rob. Okay. Thank Thanks. you, everybody, for listening to the Money Insights Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.